KMTT, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Vayikra, Dalad Nisan. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Last night, uh, Yeshivat Haaretzion had its first dinner, fundraising dinner here in Israel. It's been having fundraising dinners in America for many years, and last night they had their first one in in Israel. I did not attend. I had a family Sheva Bracha to go to. Um, we hope and pray that Yeshivat Haaretzion successfully meets the challenges of the financial challenges that it, that it has now to continue doing what it's been doing and doing well for so many years. Uh, that probably also explains why I had difficulty finding an MP3 player this morning here in the office, because they probably took them, and I certainly had difficulty finding a microphone. They probably took those too, to record speeches and whatnot. In any case, as I said, may Yeshivat Haaretzion be able to continue providing leadership and education in Eretz Yisrael and from that also outside of Eretz Yisrael to the Jewry diasporas. So I believe that this will be the last Erev Shabbat program before Pesach. And on that level, <clears throat> I want to discuss something about Pesach, which will not relate to the Parsha, to the best of my knowledge. One of the most difficult obligations, lines that we say in the Haggadah, which, again, in in, uh, in terms of facing things as they are, in an honest way, and not just brushing them over and saying that just because the halacha obligates us to do something or to think something. Uh, oh, okay, that's fine. We can do that. Person is obligated to see himself or to show himself, according to the version that appears in the Rambam, <clears throat> that he participated in the exodus from Egypt. Let's explain why this is <clears throat> somewhat impossible. Or let's start from a possible place and go to the impossible. Uh, recently, the Koran Publishing House put out a Haggadah uh, relating to the Ethiopian Jewry. Those are people who can... The type of trials and tribulations that they... They themselves, the people who are living amongst us today, that they went through in order to get from Ethiopia to Sudan, and then finally to Eretz Israel on a plane, they experienced this to, to a large extent. Uh, a, a reality change which is beyond belief, of leaving a place which... 
just even on the practical level, for many of them, for most of them, was pre-modern. And coming to a place, and coming to Eretz Yisrael, in this way where, you know, in the middle of the desert, they were picked up in planes and, pardon me, not in the middle of the desert, in the middle of Africa, wherever they were in Sudan, being picked up on planes and being taken to Eretz Yisrael. But let's face it, for the for the majority of us, we don't have a concept of what slavery is, certainly. Not that the Ethiopian Jews were slaves. We don't have perhaps amongst us Holocaust survivors, those still remaining amongst us, perhaps Jews who wanted to practice Judaism in the former Soviet Union, some sort of feeling of oppression, limitation, and then finally some sort of freedom. But for the majority of us, it's very difficult to do this. Even we've grown up not having our freedoms ever limited. For the for the most part, not being oppressed, and even in t- in the global climate of anti-Semitism that exists today, there are no pogroms. There is no Holocaust. We hope there shouldn't be any of those things. And perhaps we're even confident that there won't be such things. What do we do with this? Now, so if we go to the classic interpretation that we have to see ourselves as leaving Mitzrayim, and then those people who dress up in clothes of people who are leaving Egypt... And then there's those who take some sort of interpretative liberty to explain, well, it means that had our forefathers not left Egypt, then we too would still be slaves in Egypt, and therefore it's as if we left Mithraim. All right, well, well, that's a completely different take on things, and that's a little bit easier to to fathom, to understand. But, at the same time, going to the simple interpretation of the words, what does this mean? I was not in Mitzrayim. I don't know what it was like to be a slave, and I don't know the feeling of relief at the sudden change of events, the sudden turn of events. From here I'm going to go to a different place. We all grow up on Ani Ma'amin Be'munah Shlemah, Be'viyat HaMashiach, Ma'afapishit, Ma'amea, Im Kolzeh HaKelo, B'chol Yom Sheyavo. And this is an idea which I've said, I'm not sure if within KMTT, but I've expressed at least 
many times in my life, that this too, I think it relates to a certain extent to our previous statement that we're evaluating, We were brought up as to understand, I'm not sure this is the wrong interpretation, that we have to believe that any any day and every day, the Mashiach could come. And being pre-Zionist, and I'm purposely using the word pre-Zionist, being pre-Zionist Jews in Europe, or in Iraq, or in Morocco, or in Russia, and let's go to Russia at the end of the 19th century when there were pogroms going on. When the situation is so bad, and of course the Holocaust, and this became for some people uh, some of the, the thoughts that were on their minds towards the end, that the Mashiach could come any day. Sometimes it's easier when one is so far away from the reality of Mashiach to be able to believe this. And to say, Yeshua Hashem Kehara, the salvation of God could happen like the, the blink of an eye, and the Mashiach could come any day and change reality. Well, when you're told that you have to believe this, and you're in a dead-end street, it's kind of easier to latch on to this. Because that's the only place that you can look to to fuel your belief that the reality tomorrow could be better. Because if you're in a dead-end street, and there's nowhere out, and many times in history, for individual Jewish people, and for masses of individual Jewish people, there have been no way out, then this belief is the only belief that could keep you going. As Zionist Jews, we began formulating ideas and beliefs about a talich, a process, that the redemptive process is a long-term process, and we have to overcome changes it's something that Rav Kook specifically wrote about at length, about how the psyche of the nation has to change after 2,000 years of Galut and swing in a different direction into a national direction in order to come to a proper balance to o- overcome what was ingrained into us in Galut and at the same time find the right balance of not being overly nationalistic and overly secular. When you talk about a process, it's very hard to believe in everything changing overnight. Perhaps the idea of Chayav Adam Lirotat Atzmo is one of the earliest sources for this idea of B'chol Yom And if we look at Yitziat Mitzrayim, we'll really see that there is a lot of both going on. 
Yitzhia Mitzrayim is Bechipazon. Overnight, the Jewish people left slavery and became free people. Let's not ignore the fact that there was a process here, and there was the process of the ten makot, the, the ten plagues, that did their share of certainly impacting paro to free the Jewish people <clears throat> from e- Egypt, and also certainly had an impact on the psyche of the Jewish people and their ability to believe in God and their ability to believe that God can save them. Although, it was limited in its scope because B'nai Israel still had many belief problems as we see throughout their journey in the Midbar. And the process of changing was and continues to be a slow process. The ability to believe that perhaps a way of addressing it, of thinking about it, is that despite the fact that we live in a world of processes, These processes can happen and changes can take place within our lives, our personal lives and our national lives. The, the phrasing of takes an individual person and puts him within a national framework. Why don't we say you could have said this in the plural sense. Every generation is obligated to see themselves as if they came out of Mitzrayim. This would imply that on a national level, every generation has the ability to go through the transformation of Yitziat Mitzrayim. But the formulation was in a singular. And this therefore gives a message to the individual that every individual has the ability to go through Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim. Every individual has the ability to have a drastic transformation within their life for the better. Does this mean that for everyone this will come in, in the shape and form of winning the lottery and really changing your life overnight for a person who wins the lottery, secretly all of our dreams, put away money to live for the rest of your life, put away money to help your kids out, you can do with your life what you really want to do and pursue your interests and not live with a practical head of how to support a family. But even not something that drastic for the most part we're talking about real changes in life. Changes in life that can happen to everybody and each and every individual because not everybody could win the lottery. If everybody wins the lottery, 
I forgot the name of the movie. Nobody wins the lottery because if everybody wins the lottery, then you only win like $5 or something like that. But everybody can change their lives drastically. And perhaps Itziat Mitraim is a good example of understanding what that means because that first push where the drastic change happens is never the end of the process. Because Itziat Mitraim was that first and drastic push in the right direction, but it was followed by Matan Torah, it was followed by many failures of the Jewish people. And we have to understand that ultimately Yitziat Mitzrayim, the coming of the Mashiach Bechol Yom, can only be a piece of the puzzle. They can be that drastic push, that quantum leap that pushes us from reality A into reality B. But as human beings, we also need to transform. We cannot transform overnight. And so even those Ethiopian Jews who we spoke about, who overnight were airlifted from Sudan to Eretz Israel, and I'm not an expert here, but probably for them the first time they saw an airplane in their lives or got on an airplane in their lives. And what a miracle that that felt like getting into a plane and being flown away to a different country, to the land that they were striving for for so many years. But that wasn't the end of the process for them either because they had a difficult and continued to have a difficult absorption in Eretz Israel. There are a lot of things to fight for still and to achieve. So, Chayav Adam Lirotet Atzmo Kilu Hu Yatsami Mitzrayim is, I think at the one, on the one hand, giving us the belief and em- empowering us to believe and to see that drastic change is possible for everybody, wherever they are, whether it's something drastic like leaving an oppressive place and living in a unoppressive place, and whether it's changing the life that we live and we know for the better, whatever that better may be, even if it's not from an oppressive place, but at the same time holding on to the knowledge that Yitzhia Mitraim is not the end of the of the way. And coming from Ethiopia to Eritrea is not the end of the way. And perhaps that allows us to believe the statement more truthfully. Because it's hard to believe that our lives can be changed drastically. Because we live in a world of processes. And perhaps that is the answer. Our lives can change drastically, and that won't be the end of the process. It's going to be, have to be a long-term process when we change our lives, because even if we get that drastic change, we're going to have to internalize and transform ourselves within that drastic change. And when we see that 
Even Yitzhak Mitzrayim is part of a bigger process, it becomes easier to believe that drastic changes like Yitzhak Mitzrayim can come. And they're not going to change all of reality overnight. But we don't have to change reality overnight. We can change reality in a long-term sense as well. And that's something that's easier to believe in, and that's something that's easier to identify with, in my humble opinion. On that note, Shabbat Shalom, Pesach, Kasher V'Sameach, Pesach, Sameach V'Kasher, to everybody, to all the listeners, be well. As part of our getting ready for Pesach, we decided to reinstitute a minute, a custom for many years ago on the Erev Shabbat program. We would also provide a occasion, a nigan. This one's not the Shabbat, but this one is a new nigan for Pesach. And it comes to us courtesy of the Belzer, Belzer Hasidim in Yerushalayim. And the nigan is from the Haggadah Pesach. Enjoy the Shabbat Shalom.
Bye, guys. 